Are you watching closely? Hello and welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Ken. And my name is Jeremy. And this week here at the Weekly Real Podcast, we will be talking about Christopher Nolan's 2006 film, The Prestige. But uh, before we do that, Jeremy, we have some breaking movie news. So actually earlier today, actually this afternoon... Uh, it was announced that Wonder Woman 1984 will be released simultaneously in theaters and HBO Max for a month starting on Christmas Day. Then after the month is over, then the film will play exclusively in theaters. But Jeremy, here's the best part. You know, for HBO Max subscribers like me and you, check this out. There's no additional cost. Dude, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> that makes a big difference because uh, we were talking about this, you know, off the podcast. Like, how much is a uh, HBO Max subscription for like one month? It's like fifteen or sixteen dollars, and that's like the cost of one person going into the movie theater. Like, if you get obviously your ticket and then like a small popcorn <laughs> or something like yeah. that, that's like sixteen dollars already. Freaking popcorn's expensive, but that makes a huge difference because people can either go to see it in theaters or watch it at home on the same day. Like they can choose either one. What I'm worried about though is like, man, is this is this like the beginning of the end of movie theaters? That's what I'm scared of, actually. Nah, you know what? I don't think so. Just because there's something to be said about just experiencing and feeling that whole theater experience. Like you said, you can't get the whole popcorn smell. Uh, it's something to like for me, I love watching movies on opening night. I love the whole atmosphere of a, a raucous crowd. Well, that's just me. I know a lot of people prefer it to be quiet, but I really do like the fan interaction. And so I don't think it'll be like that. Um, so yeah, uh, I think it's a good thing just because, you know, I mean, the way we're trending with COVID right now is that we're headed towards another like shelter in place, lockdown, curfew. I don't know, whatever combination there is. And I think Warner Brothers saw the writing on the wall and they were like, you know what? Ugh, I don't I think it's going to be wishful thinking if we do that. And I guess the only other option really would have been to push it to 2021. Yeah, because that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought they were going to push it to 2021. Uh, I didn't think that they were going to release it on HBO Max. But, you know, times are changing, man. And I think it was a smart move by Warner Brothers to, to do this because I feel like it, it is a smart move to get more subscribers to HBO Max rather than, you know, just relying on, purely on the theatrical release. Uh, but at the same time, because I feel like people would pay the $16 to have like a really high quality version. And then for, you know, for the rest of the month, you can watch whatever movies you want on there rather than like pirate the movie 
for like crappy quality or something like that. So I hope, you know, I hope people are like that. <laughs> uh, they would rather subscribe because I know I would. Because if it was just only in theaters, I, I get kind of the hesitancy to go into theaters right now, especially like you said, the numbers are trending up uh, currently where we are right now. Uh, and I mean, for for us, you know, we love the movie theater so much, but some people it just isn't as practical as streaming. Right. And, and it's, it's a, it's a value issue, right? Like, uh, like, would people be willing to risk getting COVID-19 to go to the movie theater? I know we've done it a couple times, a few times, actually. We've gone three times, right? Yeah, Tenant twice and then twice. Uh, Total, the total recall. recall. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, there was one thing that I did read about that, you know, with uh, basically piggybacking off of uh, what you were talking about with HBO Max, you know, them needing the subscribers. I, I actually did read an article saying that they're actually struggling to uh, gain subscribers. And actually, when I was following the story earlier in the week, um, they were tossing around that idea. And obviously, they adopted the idea because they wanted to um, get a spike in subscribers for HBO Max because um, I think people are just confused with the branding between HBO, HBO Go, HBO Max. It's like... They don't know what to think. And I think that's why they fired the one guy who thought of this uh, brilliant idea. Um, so HBO Max, I think we've talked about it since we started this whole podcast. They have really good content. It's just getting the word out there. And I feel like this would be a good entry point uh, for a lot of uh, new people who would be potential subscribers. Yeah, I, I definitely try to I'm going to plan to watch Wonder Woman as soon as possible. That's for sure. Oh, I know. I, I probably need a refresher too. It's it's been a while, uh, especially you know, like I've been a uh, I've been a fan of some of the recent uh, DC uh, movies. I'm heck, I'm wearing my Batman shirt. Uh, I know you, uh, the podcast audience, can't see it. It's strictly audio, but um, got my Batman shirt on just uh, for Christopher Nolan week. So speaking of Batman and the rest of the DC universe, uh, quickly yesterday. I mean, there's a lot of DC news. Quickly, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the new black and white version of the Justice League, the Snyder Cut trailer. Well, this trailer, I was kind of actually meh about it because it was, you know, basically, basically the same trailer as the DC fandom trailer. There was like a handful of new shots, like half second shots here and there. Right. But for the most part, it was basically the same trailer, same music. I guess you get a black and white version of it. I think they also just re-uploaded a colored version again. Uh, but I think the most disappointing thing about that trailer is we still didn't get a more specific release date. It still says 2021 uh, and the way the pandemic's going and 2020, all that stuff. Who even knows if it's going to be 2021? Because I know the the Batman with Robert Pattinson, it said 2021, yeah. and now it's pushed to 2022, so who knows? All right, I know. I, I pretty much uh, agree with everything you just said. It was a pretty much the same trailer, uh, with the exception of those few shots that they quickly added. Um just kind of watching it though, and basically since uh, DC Fandom, I have changed my perspective on one thing. I, I remember we were when we were originally talking about 
how they would do the Justice League um, Snyder cut, how they would kind of release it. I've come around on the idea of a uh, four, uh, I guess, four episode miniseries. And they're going to be one hour each, uh, according to uh, some of the other articles that I've read. I've come around to that. And I don't know if it was because, you know, The Mandalorian just uh, got released. And I'm like, oh, I kind of like this weekly thing. And I'm guessing that they're going to release these one every week for uh, a, a full month. And so I'm on board with that uh, just because I'm kind of in that same zone right now with the Mandalorian uh, currently. That, that kind of makes sense because one hour, let's say each part is like an hour. One hour is definitely easier to swallow than like two hours, mm-hmm. especially if you're trying to avoid spoilers like me. I always try to make sure I watch the Mandalorian episode as soon as possible just to not get spoiled by social media. I know. I still forget to not uh, check social social media on Fridays, and I got to remember this week because I feel like they finally got the the new story going. Uh, just kind of a quick Mandalorian tangent there. I'm like, oh, okay, no spoilers right now for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, every week, for those of you who are just checking out the Weekly Real podcast for the very first time, uh, Jeremy and I we have this weekly. Uh, podcast ritual where we like to discuss and share one movie or one tv show that we have watched uh within the last week and so jeremy uh, do you want to share your one movie or tv show that you've watched the last week yeah i was i was gonna mention the mandalorian episode season two episode three but i don't want to talk about any like spoilers on the podcast just in case our viewers haven't seen it yet uh so i actually started watching another movie i haven't finished it yet actually uh it's called echo boomers with patrick schwarzenegger (laughs) and michael (laughs) shannon there's a patrick's (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's um arnold's son when i when i saw him i was like well technically this isn't the first movie i've seen him in i see him in some other like romantic drama which is weird because he's He's a Schwarzenegger, and I've never seen Arnold in a romantic drama before. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, no, oh, oh. twins a little bit. <laughs> Which one? Twins. Like he was kind of like playing like kind of a lovable character with uh, his love interest. I forget. Ah, oh, man, I forgot. I yeah, I forgot. Too. Uh, I think it was, but it was Kelly Preston's character. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Patrick Schwarzenegger. It's it's kind of weird to see him. He has this kind of the same facial expressions as his dad. It's, it's very uh, concerning <laughs> when you're watching the movie. But very, he doesn't have the voice to like. <laughs> Wait, he doesn't have the voice. He said no. He he definitely doesn't sound like his dad. Very much more American. It's like a but Echo Boomers is like a like a heist type of movie. So mm. it's a, it's a pretty interesting concept with Michael Shannon goes in there, gives some credibility to the movie. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do like uh, some of the performances that Michael Shannon has uh, given, uh, you know, especially within the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. I remember being introduced uh, to Michael Shannon uh, in HBO's, uh, show uh boardwalk empire he was really good in that he played this weird character kind of scared me at times um yeah with his eccentricity 
<laughs> well, I'll let you know how the how the movie goes when I finish it. It's okay so far. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Well, you know what the the movie that I wanted to share, and you know, um, just to kind of catch up uh, some of the podcast audience, I I'm still currently watching The Boys. I I kind of took a little bit of a break. Um, I'm surprised that I did. I just got really busy with certain things, but uh, I'm almost done with season one, and so um, I think with the holidays coming up, I should be able to get caught up completely with the boys. Um, and also I am current with the Mandalorian and again, no spoilers on the Mandalorian here. So with that being said, since uh, it's Christopher Nolan week, Jeremy, and I think I've only shared one. All I got to say with the movie that I watch is don't make me leave like this Murph. Why? Stay. Don't make them leave, Murph. <laughs> Don't make me leave. Yeah, that that scene, I, I remember in the theaters though, in Interstellar, when we were watching that movie, we were sitting really close <laughs> to the screen. By the way, right? Uh, I was I was kind of like tearing up at that scene. I don't know why, man. That was a heartbreaking scene. I don't know. Well, you know, that's the hidden theme of uh, Interstellar. Um, you know, the power of love. You know, Huey Lewis. <laughs> I'm sure Huey Lewis appreciated that theme. Oh man, but yeah, I, I, it was it was such a good um, such a good rewatch. Uh, just because I remembered everything, it had been a while since I've seen it, and to see it, uh, you know, just without any distractions or whatever. And um, I mean, it still makes me laugh every time I see Matt Damon pop out uh, <laughs> out of cryo sleep. <laughs> spoiler alert <laughs> but uh, i just remember every time he pops out of there just lovingly cries <laughs> to matthew mcconaughey's like, thank you matthew mcconaughey for saving me <laughs> so hilarious it, it, i just think it's so crazy that the two perceived villains in this film are played by matt damon and michael Caine. <laughs> so <laughs> so crazy to me <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed Interstellar and it, and it had been a while and it was good just to kind of uh, revisit that movie. That's a good I, I feel like people don't like it that much, but I, I it has a soft spot in my heart, I feel like. Yeah, I, I feel like um, a lot of the complaints are obviously the length and then um, the the really loud sound, <laughs> the, the score. <laughs> I don't know. Um, those two things I actually appreciated. Um, but yeah, it could have been mixed a little bit better, but still, I mean, that's the, that's the Christopher Nolan experience, right? Mm -hmm. There's always something. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know what? Let's, uh, do a little bit of episode cleanup. And, uh, last week, uh, Jeremy and I, we talked about, uh, I guess the next three, actually part four of our MCU infinity saga rewatch where we, uh, where we revisited guardians, guardians of the galaxy. Avengers Age of Ultron and Ant-Man. And so we ran a poll uh, this past Tuesday. And so, Jeremy, do you want to um, let the audience know what the poll was and what the results were? Yeah. So we asked all of you, uh, what was your most disappointing MCU film? Uh, some of the candidates that we listed were Age of Ultron, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Iron Man 2. And then we left an option for like write-ins and stuff. Uh, but our winner for most disappointing MCU movie was Iron Man 2 
at 63%. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty high percentage. And, you know, I, I would personally choose guardians of, of the galaxy volume two, but I can, I could definitely see why Iron Man two is the most disappointing. We did get a write in vote though for Batman returns. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not an MCU movie, but I guess I can see how people were disappointed after Batman 1989. And, uh, you know, it got, it got kind of weird in Batman Returns. It did, but you know what? I actually enjoyed Batman Returns. It was just very strange. You know, it's, it's Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah, it's still, yeah, it's still good. It just got, yeah, it was, it was really weird. <laughs> It definitely was. Uh, but that being said, uh, just wanted to remind uh, the podcast audience to just look out for our episode-related polls. Uh, we run them every Tuesday on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And so, uh, Jeremy, what are what's our handle again? At Weekly Real. You can check it out in uh, the episode notes. Yes, that spelling will be on there. And so be sure to follow on all of them. That way you could participate and maybe you will get your uh, results read, especially if we have write-in votes. So uh, definitely check that out. So Jeremy, this week we are covering a film where two magicians pledge to outdo one another after things take a turn for the worse during an onstage accident in the Christopher Nolan 2006 film, The Prestige. So amazingly enough, prior to this week, both Jeremy and I, I mean, even though we're huge, huge Christopher Nolan fans, somehow we both had not seen this film before this week. How crazy is that? That's kind of <laughs> nuts because I think I have The Prestige on DVD and I, <laughs> I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I remember when uh, The Prestige, I saw the, the movie uh, like a long time ago where it was available on Netflix. I've had this on my, uh, I guess, my queue when it, when it was still called a queue, but now they switched it over to a list. That's how long it's been there. Obviously, it's not on Netflix. Uh, we both ended up watching this on Hulu, so uh, definitely stream it on Hulu if you have never seen this. Um, and it's streaming if you do have uh, even the the cheapest option, which is like what five ninety nine? Yeah, I think so. Where you get all like the ads and stuff. Yeah, but I think it's limited when you watch a movie, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the ads are mainly for TV shows, anyway. Um, but yeah, check that out on Hulu, and then you could press pause because this is going to be a huge spoiler, spoilerific episode, really. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So definitely hit pause on your favorite podcast app. Watch the film on Hulu and then uh, just unpause us and, you know, enjoy the movie uh, along with us. So, um, Jeremy, since this was both our first time watching the film, uh, were there any first impressions that you wanted to share with uh, me and the audience? Yeah. So, actually, I want to right off the bat tell you that I was spoiled for The Prestige. What? It was a, it was a pretty big spoiler like going into it now i was okay i was spoiled that there were clones mm. in this movie literally one like if not like top two plot twists of the movie i was spoiled that there were clones uh i didn't know that it was by tesla 
and I didn't know if it was Borden or Angier that uses it. So I didn't know those, those stuff. But I, you know, when you watch the movie, you could kind of pick up, you know, the clues and pieces and all that stuff. I'm like, oh man, here's the cloning machine <laughs> that no. Tesla is gonna make. I feel like uh, you could kind of get that vibe, like in the very first scene, or like you know when they when they set up that shot, and obviously they revisit it later on in the in the film. Yeah, like one of the first shots of the movie when they show a bunch of uh, the top hats. I'm like, oh, that's the cloning <laughs> right there. Uh, and in a way, it was kind of fun. It was almost like a second rewatch type thing where you could kind of pick out some of the clues of it because they, how many breadcrumbs freaking Christopher Nolan left throughout like the, the whole movie. But even then, even though I was spoiled, I was still getting my, my mind blown like <laughs> every every other scene because there was so many plot twists that even though I, I would say this is one of the bigger ones, uh, I still had a good time like going through some of the, the turns of the movie. Oh, no, I completely agree. Honestly, like I, I'm still weirded out that I somehow missed it because um, this movie was released in between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. And I was a huge fan of Batman Begins from the get go. And so, you, you know, you would think that you would watch, you know, that next film of of one of the best directors of our time, which came out the year after. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I was too young to be like, oh, Christopher Nolan's my director, even though I'm only like nine or ten years old. <laughs> so yeah. I don't have that excuse, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I was already in. Uh, I already graduated college, basically. <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess there was no streaming back then. Even then, I guess <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> yeah. I should have. I should have Netflixed it. I should have got that DVD in the mail. Man. Mm. Anyway, when I remember um, when I first watched it, um, uh, actually earlier this week, like especially when they were set doing the setup of uh, the film, one of the things that I noticed early on, you know, when Christopher Nolan was doing his uh, kind of his quick cuts, you know, like he's kind of setting up a lot of establishing shots and stuff like that with the music. Um, in addition to that, I really got gritty Batman Begins vibes. Uh, Batman Begins vibes, right? Mm-hmm. Even like the way the, the camera works when he would go like handheld, uh, it felt very Batman Begins esque. Not just because Christian Bale's there, but just the way it looks too. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It had that same vibe. It was kind of weird. I know it, it. It was very strange, and I was really tempted. You know, I did watch Interstellar. I was really tempted to go watch Batman Begins again, but I feel like I've watched Batman Begins like way too much, and it had it, it had it had been a while since I'd watched Interstellar. That's why I kind of went that way. But anyway, I just really enjoyed uh, that he did it that way because if you think about it, Christopher Nolan really only blew up to another stratosphere after dark night. So really this was the film right before that. And so you kind of got to still see his like, kind of like hunger and everything, you know, like he's really focused on his craft, you know, there's like no extra distractions with the extra attention and all that popularity. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because he can get like actors like Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale at this 
point in their career. I mean, you got Michael Caine, you got Scarlett Johansson. How, how many other people are in this movie? But like, well, just the fact that he's, like you said, fairly early in his career, uh, and getting these pretty big name actors to be like the stars of his movie. I know you got Scarlett Johansson. Uh, Piper Parabo was uh, still well known before Andy Serkis. Yeah, I forgot that. It's like when I saw him, I'm like, oh, he's not CGI this time. Yeah, no, it was like seeing him in uh, Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, and like, Avengers: what? Age of Ultron too. Last week. Yeah, just seeing him. Yeah, and uh, you know, you got David Bowie as David um, Bowie. Yep, Tesla. as Tesla. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty crazy, and so um, I feel like this was like the missing piece. Uh, to our you know puzzle i mean i i still haven't seen some of his earlier work like the following i don't i still i think i haven't seen insomnia yet either um so some of his earlier work i'm still like kind of catching up or whatever but it's still pretty cool to be able to see um like a film where it's still kind of early on and it's literally right right before he blew up uh with dark knight and uh inception yeah, I like that he did basically a, one movie between the Batman movies. He did Prestige, yeah. he did Inception. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it's cool too because obviously uh, two of the main characters in the Prestige, uh, Christian Bale and Michael Caine, are you know obviously what Bruce Wayne and Alfred. And it, I just thought it was funny that Alfred is the name of. Uh, I guess uh, Christian Bale's character. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. One of Christian me Bale's characters. <laughs> yeah. One of them. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, but um, did you, cause right off the bat, I knew the whole cloning thing. Right. And when I saw Fallon, you know, uh, what is, what is he technically to Alfred? Um, the, the ingenue. <laughs> <laughs> I promised Jeremy that I wasn't going to try to say it, but I, I said, screw it. Let's, let's try to say it. Because when he was there and he's, you know, everyone's assuming that he's mute, right? And then you could kind of see glimpses of his face. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, that's Christian Bale. I'm like, yeah. are, did he already use the cloning machine on him? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess not. Yeah, I actually had those. Um, I had the the vibes that he was like um, starting when. Remember that one scene kind of in the middle where they had Fallon like following like uh what was it alfred was gonna walk home he knew that uh robert was gonna follow him and then when they had uh fallon following him and they did those close-ups i was like hey that guy looks kind of like christian bill hmm so like that like that thought that's when that first thought came to my mind i was still blown away at the end though yeah because like even though i knew about the whole cloning thing I was so I I saw what I wanted to see, just like in the movie, right? Like um, Angier thought, like, oh, he it must not be a double and all that stuff. And for me, I'm like, oh, he it's a clone, it's a clone, for sure. And then it was a brother. I'm like, what? A twin <laughs> to be more uh, precise, right? Exactly. And so I don't know. There was just so many twists and turns obviously we'll get to the plot twists a little bit later like all of them there were so many um and we'll definitely try to do our best to highlight them during this uh episode and so um jeremy what were your some of your overall thoughts on the film uh after you finished watching it 
Some of my favorite parts of the movie, I think, were when they're just trying to like mess with each other's shows. Because these guys, man, they were like they really developed a really violent rivalry. <laughs> uh, like they would dress up in costumes and go to each other's shows and just like ruin each other's shows. I think that was one, probably the most entertaining thing about this movie. Like uh, Angier was the first one to like start it off, right? He blew off uh, Borden's fingers off. Two fingers. Yeah. I was like, what? I'm like, did he really just blow off his fingers? And then Borden go- later on goes to one of Angier's shows and, uh, you know, sticks that lady's fingers in the cage. And then oh, like, explodes. That was pretty I, crazy. Yeah, I totally winced at that part. Well, and you're forgetting like the biggest one where uh, where he literally invades his show and <laughs> like literally advertises his own <laughs> across the street. And he even, I guess, ends up breaking Robert's uh, leg because remember, he took away that lending thing. Yeah. And he was, was the one that appears at the end of the uh, appears at the end of the, the, the other door or whatever. Yeah, because he took out the mat and then basically made him a bit of a cripple gave him a cane and then because root was the one hanging yes yeah root oh man we'll get to him a little bit later doesn't he look kind of like i was like whoa he looks a lot like hugh jackman but the way they like did his face makes it like look a little weird so it's Mm -hmm. like yeah it's like i wonder how they did that like i wonder if it was like prosthetics or the slight cgi I think so, especially when they first find him. They were like, okay, well, you know what? They probably, you know, with Christopher Nolan, he likes more practical stuff. They probably put some prosthetics on there so that it didn't, obviously, Hugh Jackman didn't look like too much like himself, but just enough where it's like, oh, yeah, he kind of looks like a kind of like a doppelganger, you know what I mean? And then obviously, with him being kind of drunk and just kind of like disheveled and everything, that added to the whole thing. Yeah, Root, man. That guy was, he was weird. (laughs) Exactly. No, you know what? And you mentioned it earlier, um, you know, with some of the overall thoughts that I had. I just really like how they, you know, Christopher Nolan would just drop breadcrumbs. And it's like, you know, we jump back and forth in different, you know, just different times. You know, like sometimes you don't know what part of the, timeline you're actually in and i was able to pick that up on a second viewing because you know watching it the first time is obviously one experience but knowing everything and watching it the second time is a totally different experience uh i don't know were you able to watch it a second time no i wasn't unfortunately not but i can see what you're saying because the whole journal thing when it did kind of confuse me uh, when I was watching it. Cause you know, sometimes Hugh Jackman would be uh, talking from his journal because Christian Bale's reading his journal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that's like a different time. Like was that the future? Yeah. That was the future because he's in prison reading it. Yeah. And then it's the past when Hugh Jackman's reading uh christian bale's yeah journal so it's yeah (laughs) yeah it's a lot (laughs) you really have to be awake to be able to watch it i guess that's a warning for those of you who haven't watched the prestige make sure that you're awake you know drink a cup of coffee 
don't eat a big meal. Do what you got to do because you're, I mean, it's only a two hour and 10 minute uh, movie. So definitely watch it while you're fully awake. One thing I actually did like about the prestige uh, is the way they handled their, their plot twists and stuff, or I guess the more complicated nature of the whole movie uh, compared to tenant. I don't want to talk about tenant spoilers, but uh, I guess I've been ragging on ten. I still like tenant, but uh, I like to rag on it sometimes. Uh, where it's a little maybe too complicated for its own good, but I feel like the prestige has that level of showmanship, for lack mm. of a better term. Uh, that it it gets away with how uh, it kind of plays with time and all the plot twists because it did get confusing, but it presents it in a way where it's just like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, even though uh, Christopher Nolan does play with time in this movie, I feel like the time aspect really isn't like the most important thing because really what Chris, you know, depending on like some of these little time jumps or whatever, it really is within the context of where we're at in the film. You know what I mean? It's always going to be relevant and really, the time is just a secondary thing, in my opinion. So it really doesn't matter. It's like, oh, well, this took place in, oh, this part of the the timeline. And, well, this part with Robert Angier took place, oh, in the past. or whatever. It really didn't matter because, really, if you just watch the film uh, like, you know, he normally would, like, whatever Christopher Nolan does present is relevant. And I think that's just... It's just brilliant storytelling, even though we're just jumping from one random thing to another. It's so crazy. Mm -hmm. He definitely presents it in a way where it's complicated, but then it's it's enjoyable to watch. I agree. It, it was just the masterful way of how he just was able to kind of juggle stuff and just get that puzzle. Just, you know, like he was able to put the right pieces at the right time, which was it is just it's masterful the way he did it. So, Jeremy, there was this one thing that I actually did want to uh, ask you, and I feel like um, I think it's safe to say that we generally both like this film. I wanted to ask you, has The Prestige cracked your top three films um, with within the Christopher Nolan universe? Ooh, uh, that's a tough one. What, is this including like Batman movies? All of them. All Christopher Nolan movies. Oh, man. Let me think real quick. Uh, I want to say maybe it's like number four, maybe, maybe number three. Ooh. Probably number four, though, I think. I mean, I guess because the Batman movies are so hard because the Dark Knight and I, I feel like Batman Begins. I've watched like so many times, even more than the Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. And I think those two definitely fell up my top two. And then there's like Inception, and I feel like it would be something like that. It would be like The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, Inception, The Prestige. I feel just right off the top of my head. Oh, I like Memento too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's hard, man. I, for I forgot about Memento, but I have, I really like Memento on how just like, because it's still a modern movie, but then it's still like grounded. Yeah, and, and, well, I, like and I feel that. like that. I feel like that was the first real like breakthrough for Christopher Nolan with all of this time like twisting thing that he does. You know, yeah, from what we've seen. Yes. <laughs> so 
something like that. It would be in top five. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have that many movies, but yeah. yeah. Oh, no, that's why I didn't want to say top five, because I mean, I feel like it's safely in the top five. But wow, top three. Ooh. That's a that's a how about you? I don't know. This might be recency bias. I I I had I have a hard time like trying to figure out Batman Begins and 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 the Prestige because my top two are Dark Knight and Inception, uh, mm-hmm. one and one A. Mm-hmm. Now third place, I mean, only because I've seen Batman Begins so many times. I mean, we've, I think between the two of us, we probably watched it a total of maybe at least thirty times each, or not each, <laughs> but thirty times total. Uh, but I don't know. I'm trying to think of like just purely based off of the actual movie and all the um like the story the original story and i feel like yeah it was you know batman begins was like a a a great movie and it was it was told i thought it was told beautifully but again it's a it's based off of a comic there's source material you know what i mean and i feel like i know that uh the prestige is based off of a novel but he he took some liberties in terms of switching things up all this to say man i feel like it's three and three a (laughs) (laughs) it's hard right it's like it's it's a either like three either three or four something like that man it's hard yeah i you know what i'll say this um i guess it's the non-answer i do like prestige better than interstellar I do like it better than um, Dark Knight Rises. Um, I do like it over Tenet. I like it over. Uh, oh man, I need to rewatch. I need to rewatch Memento. I, I've watched it only one time, and I was blown away. But I, I never got around to watching it a second time, which is what I usually do with Christopher Nolan movies. So that was uh, that was probably dumb on my part. I, I should probably rewatch Memento. Yeah, I I rewatched Memento earlier this year, and I still I was like, okay, I'll just watch a little bit, and I just watched like the whole thing again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very underrated. I feel like I just forgot about it right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, Memento is definitely in there for me. I agree. I agree. It, it, it's a good movie for sure. It's uh, for it to be his breakthrough film in terms of just getting his name out there. Uh, it's got to be a special place in his own heart, I guess, in terms of like his own directorial, um, I guess, filmography. But for sure, I did like it better than Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I definitely get that for sure. Uh, before we get into the um, the first topic that I wanted to mention, uh, Jeremy, there was actually this one thing I, that I noticed, um, and I don't know if you noticed it, but if you take alfred borden his initials and you take robert angier's initials they spell abra which is the first part of the magician catchphrase abracadabra just thought i'd mention that yeah i read that on (laughs) imdb also (laughs) (laughs) imdb such a such a wealth of knowledge for sure Anyway, with the, uh, the first topic that I wanted to mention um, f- uh, to you, uh, Jeremy, and to the podcast audience is that, well, Prestige, I mean, we were ca- kind of talking a little bit about some of the plot twists. It was full of plot twists and turns. And so 
Jeremy, what was your favorite plot twist in The Prestige? And feel free to mention one or two. All right. Because like I mentioned earlier, I was spoiled with the whole cloning machine by Tesla that Angier uses. Because I really thought that Hugh Jackman dies in the beginning. And for mm-hmm. some, whatever reason, I kept thinking uh, that that's how the movie's going to end. Mm-hmm. with uh angier dying in that like tub of water uh but i guess my favorite has to be like the whole fallon and alfred uh are like twins twist because it wasn't the one i was spoiled for <laughs> i guess yeah. uh but just the way how that affected the whole movie there's like such a huge like shift of the whole movie if when you like rewatch it with from that perspective, things make so much more like sense. Mm-hmm. And it made me think like, uh, like is it, was he, did he not, did Borden not know that which knot he tied because it, he, it wasn't Alfred or Fa- I mean, Fallon. I don't know. Like, I don't know who's the one that actually made the knot that, that day. I think it was Borden. And uh, I mean, not Borden. Uh, I thought it was. Fa- I think it's Fallon because whenever, um, whenever Angier's asking him, I think he's asking Borden. And because it was Fallon, Fallon? who tied it, I feel like I don't know if he. Oh. I don't know if Borden. Um, I don't know if Borden and Fallon even talked about it. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on that because. I feel like really Fallon kind of messed this whole thing up. Yeah, because I was wondering, like, is it was that Fallon or was it Alfred uh, who tied the knot on Julia? And I, I don't know if that's a plot hole. I like, couldn't they just like talk to one another and then explain to it to to Angier? I don't know if that's a plot hole. Well, I mean, I could see it from the way they did it in that why would they be talking about knots? It's like, oh, because remember, they were talking about the knots in in uh, kind of a, just a throwaway scene where it's just the four of them. It's, uh, uh, wait, what's uh, Robert Angier's wife's name again? It's uh, Julia? Oh, no, Sarah, sorry. <laughs> Mixing them up. Oh, wait. So, no, no. Julia is Angier's wife. Yeah, Piper Parabo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it is Julia. Okay. Trying to test me, man. No, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, where they were talking about it, it was um, when obviously Cutter is trying to teach, basically teach and scold uh, Borden. It's like, hey, you know, you need to tie like slip knots because you know when they get wet, they can't. Well, first of all, remember they they hoist her up, so the knot's got to be strong enough to hold her weight. And then when they drop her in the tank. It has to be uh, one of those knots where it can, you know, she could slip out of it underwater. So that's like, there's like two things to it. And I feel like I could see a scenario where uh, Alfred Borden and Fallon don't really talk about that, you know? And so I could see, I I think that it was Fallon that tied that knot that ended up killing, um, killing, killing Julia. Uh, One question I had to, because, you know, this, ties into the twist, you know, cause, uh, one of the Borden brothers, I guess, uh, survive. So at the end, was it Alfred or was it Fallon with his daughter? 
with, with oh, that, the daughter. Oh no, I think it it was Borden. Uh, so Alfred, the one like the one who got hung. No, no, no. The one who got hung is Fallon. Really? But oh, oh yeah, because they they do take turns dressing up in that old man Fallon mm. look. Right. I think from the get go, from the very beginning, Fallon is the one in jail the whole time. Holy crap. <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to think. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah, because ultimately the person that you see at the end of the film, it, I guess when they're doing the whole reveal is Borden. Alfred Borden. Mm-hmm. And for if that's the case, obviously one of them gets hanged and it's the one that's been in jail the whole time. It's got to be um it's got to be Fallon who's been there the whole time. Well, the I obviously well my favorite plot twist was the final plot twist but we'll definitely I'll get into like why I liked it uh, a little bit later on in the podcast but the the other one that I really wanted to highlight uh and I think we talked about it in last week's episode Jeremy we're talking about uh wrestling the WWE I feel like one of my favorite plot twists was uh when Cutter did his heel to face turn on Angier <laughs> at the yeah. very end <laughs> yeah (laughs) because man i kind of feel bad for him because like the whole or for most of the movie he was totally on angier's side he was you know helping him out um you know he was always like there to you know basically mentor him um through like throughout his whole show and uh he you know i think i i truly believe they had you know had a friendship or whatever but i think when uh angier was like kind of doing I guess when he was doing the clones and everything, and I think it really did change him. And I'll get into that later on. Also, I feel like he got betrayed um, because he he didn't know. I mean, he he genuinely thought that Angier died. Cutter did, and I felt like, you know, he was. I felt like he was outraged that obviously Angier was alive and he faked his own death because obviously the person who died. Um, in that tank was just a clone of himself. I think he was just outraged that he was going to let Borden die for a murder that he really didn't commit. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think the thing that also kind of set him off was that he was basically going to steal his daughter too, you know? Oh, yeah, that was a big thing. Because for most of the movie, I felt like Angier was almost like the the main he, you were kind of rooting for him for most of the movie because I felt like uh you know his, his wife died in the beginning Julia by mm-hmm. Borden uh supposedly and like you just felt bad for him you kind of understood like why he's on the has this huge vendetta against Borden because he essentially killed his wife and he didn't know what knot he he tied yeah. and you felt bad for him but then once you once he did that whole cloning process and then basically try to frame him for murder that he didn't commit, it's like, oh, he's really crossing the line, especially when he tried to, st- when he was planning on stealing Jess, yeah. uh, Borden's daughter. Yeah, just because I think he, I mean, Angier, I think he was just very envious. Remember that one shot where he saw uh, Borden really happy with um, with his wife, Sarah, and Jess, and he was like, man, he that's the guy that stole that possibility away from me, like the possibility of happiness with with my wife and potential family, you know? 
Mm-hmm. What I like about this movie, though, these two main characters, they're definitely not black or white. Because <laughs> for sure, uh, Borden was a bit of an asshole in the beginning. <laughs> I'm like, man, how are we going to like this guy at all? I thought he, you know, like, oh, I guess Christian Bale's the villain of this movie. But as you keep going, it's like you don't really know who's the, there's no good guys or bad guys in this rivalry. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because you know what, Jeremy? There's actually a actually a, a new topic that I didn't put in our show notes. And I wanted to ask you this. Who were you on? Were you on Team Angier or were you on Team Borden? Well, in the first, like in the beginning of the movie, I was Team Angier, man. And I think I was Team Angier for the majority of the movie. Uh, especially when he was trying to get like that machine from Tesla. But uh, I feel like, you know, at the very end when, when you figure out that uh, what's his, what, who is he trying to be? And who is he playing? Lord. Oh, uh, called called low or something like that. Yeah. Called low. When you figure out that he's Lord called low, I think that's when the, it kind of switches. Yeah. I could see that. It, I don't know if it's just me or not. I actually was on team board the whole time. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just thought, uh, team, uh, team Angier. I just thought that Robert Angier was just, uh, he was kind of whiny. And you know what? Like, it, if he legitimately didn't remember what knot he tied, I don't think he was lying because I don't think, uh, Alfred Borden really is one of those that would just kind of weasel out. I don't remember. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, though, it's like because he knows uh, Borden so well and that Borden's such a perfectionist in a way, it's like why would he not remember the, what not he chose to tie that night? Well, we know now because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I I I don't know. I just I really just didn't like Robert Angier. He just seemed like a a rich guy, and I don't know. It's just he was kind of whiny the whole time. I really just didn't, I couldn't stand him. I don't know why. He was obviously the more flamboyant of the two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know what? I feel like he did such a good job, and 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 that the you know me choosing to be on team board doesn't mean that I didn't appreciate. Hugh Jackman's Hugh Jackman's um, portrayal of Robert Angier. I thought he was really good. I feel like this role got him the the role in uh, the Showman. Wait, great, wait, Greatest Showman, The Greatest Showman. There you go. Yeah, because because I, I watched The Greatest Showman first, and I was like, man, this is giving me Greatest Showman vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though it was the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you know what, uh, Jeremy? Let's uh, get into our. Uh, our last topic of the first half of this episode. And so I, I thought it'd be pretty fun. I mean, we're talking about magicians where, you know, we haven't really touched upon uh, the uh, assistants. You know, um, we had uh, Scarlett Johansson playing. Uh, what was her name again? Olivia. Uh, Olivia. I always forget her name. Um, but uh, she pay- played a pretty big role um, because she ended up uh, obviously being Robert Angier's assistant and then she ended up going over to team Borden and then ends up falling in love with what we thought was who we thought was Borden but really it was Fallon oh so many things going on in this film anyway uh the topic that I thought of would be a fun one and it's 
regarding magicians and their assistants. And so if Jeremy, if you starred in a Netflix series spinoff of The Prestige, what would be your magician alias? Like your nickname? Man, because I couldn't think of anything. I just kept thinking Greatest Showman or whatever. So I I don't know. I think I might have stole this from like a DC super villain. <laughs> but it's the amazing Amazo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. I actually, you know, it's funny. I have the amazing in mind because I don't know if it was like the amazing Spider-Man or whatever. I don't know too. <laughs> oh man. But um, you know, I was trying to th- actually think uh, of like for me incorporating my name into it. So I was trying to think of uh like words that it have the word Ken in it or somewhere in there. Initially I thought it was like, ooh, like something like the drunken fool. I could be like a drunken magician or whatever. But I was like, eh. Ultimately, I ended up settling, quote unquote, on the amazing bro Ken. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I could just like kind of focus on maybe sawing people in half or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's your specialty? Yeah, yeah, well, one of them anyway. <laughs> and then I'll, obviously I'll come up with a signature trick or whatever. But yeah, bro Ken. That's kind of been one of my nicknames since grade school uh, because, you know, bro, like, hey, you're bro Ken. Broken actual words. Anyway, um, that's my horrible magician name for all the the world to hear. Uh, but hey, there's actually one other question. I mean, we were talking about assistants. Who would you cast as your assistant as the amazing Amazo? Is that what you said? Yeah, <laughs> the amazing Amazo. Uh, because I actually had to go on IMDb for this. I was trying to think because people were choose or these magicians choose assistants because they kind of they should draw some of uh, attention to them away from the act so you can do your pledge properly and obviously they need to be like smart and all that stuff but uh, they just need that look you know mm-hmm. what I mean uh, so I would in this Netflix spinoff that we're talking about uh, I would cast. Anya Taylor Joy as my assistant. Uh, you know what? She, I don't know who that is. Who is that? <laughs> uh, the, uh, the girl from Split. Oh, uh, I think she she's in the Queen's Gambit. I think the Netflix oh. limited series right now. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just try to think of someone that or fa- find someone that was like kind of close to my age too, so it wouldn't be so weird looking on stage. But then I needed someone also infinitely more attractive than I am to draw the attention <laughs> on stage. Yeah, that's going to be difficult, bro. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> like infinite times one is still infinity. Anyway. <laughs> okay, well, for my assist, I actually, you know, it's funny. We're, we're actually thinking along the same lines. I was like, oh, that'd be weird if I just cast someone that was like way younger than me, you know, because obviously I have um several quote unquote years on you um i ended up choosing uh i don't know if you know this actress emmanuel shariki uh so is she was she in was she in uh, like wonder woman no she wasn't but she kind of looks like she could be um she's uh well for me i enjoyed her character one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Entourage. She was a, f- a recurring c- uh, character in there. Um, and she was actually the main female lead in 
that Adam Sandler film, you don't mess with the Zohan. Do you have you watched that movie? I have not. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of a random Adam S- Sandler flick, but yeah, I remember when I saw her there. That was actually the first time I saw her, and I was like, "Oh man, she's gorgeous!" And she's actually a little bit older than I am. She's about five years older than me, and so that's why I kind of wanted to, um, you know, pick someone kind of my own age. She's got that. She's got a very charismatic smile, and I feel like that smile, that charisma that she has, will be able to kind of distract the audience away from, you know, obviously my sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. But before I uh, before I picked Emmanuel Shariki, though, I almost decided on Olivia Munn, but I think I mentioned her on a previous podcast, so wanted to kind of mix things up a little bit. Yeah, I think we mentioned it in our, in our Iron Man 2 episode, I think. Right. When she had her uh, quick little cameo. So, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like Emmanuel Shariki would be perfect for a Netflix um, series as well, because I don't think she's really currently anything, in anything. But yeah, she's definitely one of my huge crushes for sure. She's always that's, been. That's a good bet. Again, here at the Weekly Real Podcast, we like to involve you, the audience. And so this week, our audience question is, what is your favorite Christopher Nolan plot twist? And so, Jeremy, do you have one off the top, off the top of your head? Uh, off the top of my head, like just thinking on you know his latest movie, Tenant, I feel like, uh, and no spoilers, uh, I guess, kind of, the Neil plot twist. I think it's one of the better plot twists of recent years. Mm, okay. I don't know if it's just recent recency bias. I feel like the prestige ones, it, the prestige <laughs> one is my favorite actually. Um, and it's only because I haven't seen Memento in a long time. I feel like those would be the two that I remember off the top of my head now. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Tenet's definitely up there as well though. So yeah, let us know what your favorite Christopher Nolan plot twist is and uh, feel free to send us a tweet. Um, so Jeremy, what's our uh, Twitter handling in? At Weekly Real on Twitter. Yes, at Weekly Real on Twitter. And uh, if they want to also try to email us, uh, what is our email address? Uh, w- uh, go ahead. What's our email address, Ken? <laughs> Luckily, you know what? I still have it on uh, on my episode notes, my outline. It is weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. And so, you know what time it is, Jeremy? It's time for us to take a break. All right. Welcome back from the break. And Jeremy, you know what time it is? It is weekly real awards time and so uh for those of you who are checking out our podcast for the very first time we like to do uh these fun mtv movie style fun award uh fun awards that we do hand out um in each of our movies or most of our movies that we do talk about and so i just thought it would be a fun way to do so so jeremy the first award that we want uh to uh give out uh, is the yinsen award for most underrated scene and so jeremy do you have an underrated scene that you want to um highlight well the under most underrated scene i felt like was when borden meets sarah 
at uh at his little show and her nephew like spots or is watching that bird trick mm. and and he does you know he's Borden's trying to comfort the nephew like oh see look he's okay and all that stuff but then it's like oh but what about his brother it's like <laughs> oh shoot so, and then later on it's revealed like the the other bird like you have to smash it <laughs> for the trick uh and it's like dang and that's that obviously foreshadows what happens at the end of the movie between fallon and alfred yeah no that's a good one actually that's one of the ones that i was thinking about mentioning luckily i didn't write it down uh but yeah that one's such a good scene i feel like there's so many underrated scenes because they advance the plot so well you know they you know like we were talking about drop more uh breadcrumbs uh, for the main plot. Uh, the one that I wanted to highlight was the Chung Ling Su scene uh, mm. when uh, Cutter makes um, both Angier and Borden when they were still friends. Um, when th- he basically makes them go watch his show to learn what real magicians have to you know, do, uh, what, what his secret is. And so I felt like this was really important because this is the point in the movie where Borden recognizes what Chung Ling Chung Ling Su's trick was uh, to his performance. And it was because he basically lived his performance, not just on stage, but off stage as well. Um, He recognized that he had to really totally devote himself to his art through self-sacrifice. And I think that's what gave him the idea to basically live half a life um, where, you know, basically gave him that idea to do the transported man trick. And so um, that's the scene that I wanted to highlight. Yeah. Cause that's crazy. Cause how, how boarding gets that idea of, or just, just for the magic show, just for the show is like, you have to change your whole life. And that's what him and Fallon had to do. And obviously it cost them a lot, it cost them their families, love, his daughter and all that stuff. His wife obviously kills herself. Oh man, uh, Sarah at the end. So man, it's uh just for all for the show, man. I know that's 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 crazy devotion, and, and I I feel like that's what I um I that's why I kind of admired uh, Borden's character more than I did Angier's, and that's why I'm Team Borden all the way. Um, so we're going to move on to our next award, which is the I Am Groot Award for favorite characters. So, Jeremy, who do you want to give your I Am Groot Award to? So personally, I had to I had to pick somebody. So I actually was Team Angier for like 75% of the movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I would say my favorite character is Angier because and I, I still think like both characters are really well done, well acted, well written and. I think I really find Angier really fascinating as well because he's almost in a way a tragic hero because mm-hmm. I felt like you were, at least I was rooting for him, but then he got to that point where obsession just like took over him. And then mm-hmm. he, he crossed the line when he got his hands dirty oh, Yeah, because he was at that point, there was that innocence about him when he didn't want, like, I, w- I want to do this trick without killing the bird and all that stuff. So it's like, oh, it's like, all right, he has a heart. Uh, he's not willing. But at the same time, that was what was holding him back from being a 
better ma- magician than Borden. And but it cost him obviously his life <laughs> in the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh so I think that's why he was my favorite character because he was so like just the way uh his downfall happened. Yeah. I feel like the also the thing that contributed to his downfall was the fact that he couldn't be the one out there for the prestige like during that whole scene or whenever that he would do the trick he would always be underneath and i I love that one shot that christopher nolan does when he's beneath the stage and you could barely see the light kind of creeping through um and he's like taking his bows but he can't do that and i think that's what was killing him because you know like obviously he couldn't figure out for the longest time what borden's secret was Mm mm-hmm well, I mean, we talked about it. I'm Team Borden, so definitely he's my favorite character. Um, and I think I mentioned uh, most of the reasons why. But ultimately, I think the thing that I identified with the most and something that I, I don't know, I for me, I like to see like different qualities in people and kind of adopt them or at least a portion of it uh, on, as my as my own. And I felt like the self-sacrifice part of it, even though he went kind of overboard with that giving his giving up half of his uh half of himself and basically obviously lost sarah i mean literally lost sarah and then almost lost his daughter jess you know because you know he you know he could have been put in jail he could have been the one actually who uh got hung at the end and that could be uh, up for debate uh but i feel like i could use a little bit of that discipline in my own um, life, you know, my personal life, my, you know, my work, my career and everything. I feel like that whole devotion um, is something that I, I admire. And so that's pretty much the reason why I picked Borden. That, well, you know, what's crazy though, is like Borden, he stuck to not telling Sarah about Fallon for, you know, obviously for his magic trick, but in a way, like, she didn't know like about because he thought he, he was having an affair with Olivia. Mm-hmm. And obviously it, it could, it seemed that way <laughs> uh, when on the surface, when we were watching it, but we didn't know it was, he was two people. <laughs> so, but it's pretty crazy. He was so dedicated to that, that uh, I guess that trick that he wouldn't even tell his own wife that he wasn't cheating on her because he was too evil. I know that was so crazy. And you know what? I feel like um, his wife did. Um, she did know kind of in a way she just couldn't really confirm it because I mean, just the way I, on the second rewatch when she was talking to like, whenever she would be talking to Borden, it, you know, she would, she would know. Cause like, she would know that he genuinely loved her. It's like, oh, it's one of those days, you know? But mm-hmm. when she's actually talking to Fallon, it's like, oh, you love me. But she wasn't feeling it. It's like, oh, you love me, I know, but not really today. So you could tell that she knows that there's something off, but she couldn't really confirm it because he was so devoted uh, to that self-sacrifice of giving mm-hmm. him uh, half of himself up. Well, you know what? Let's move on to the next award, which is the uh, Why is Gamora Award? And we give this award to a uh, favorite quote. And I felt like The Prestige had so many quotables in this film. And so, Jeremy, do you want to highlight uh, who your winner was for uh, the Why is Gamora Award? Well, yeah. Well, you kind of mentioned it. It was uh, 
it's actually a later conversation between Alfred and, and Sarah when they're having that whole argument. And, uh, you know, Alfred says, I love you. And then she, uh, then Sarah's like, not today. Then Alfred is like confused. Like, what do you mean? And then she goes into this explanation. I think this is such like good writing when Sarah says, well, some days it's not true. Maybe today you're more in love with magic. I like being able to tell the difference. It makes days, uh, it is true, mean something. Oh, yeah. It's so like, heartbreaking, man. I know, because she kills herself in his like workshop, too. Oh, I know. When I when they did that little pan to the rope, I'm like, no, don't do it. <laughs> I knew what she was doing. Oh, oh, man. That was, and what was funny, though, I was kind of, <laughs> when they were like shouting at each other, um, I guess that was Fallon when when he was talking to Sarah and they were having that whole like argument. I was kind of, honestly I was kind of laughing when Christian Bale's all like going off and screaming at her like shut up. I'm not doing all this like it kind of <laughs> reminded me of that uh that leaked audio oh, footage of him uh, from Terminator, Terminator Salvation. Salvation. <laughs> <laughs> Same actually. <laughs> I'm like is this what it looked like? <laughs> It's like, dang, he's such a good actor. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh. <laughs> so I was cracking up, though. Anyway, how about you? Well, you know what? My favorite scene was actually in the very, very beginning, the voiceover uh, by Cutter. Because uh, I don't know if it was because it was Michael Caine's voice. Uh, but, you know, like, you know, he was, like, you know, taking the time to explain the pledge, the turn, and the prestige. Uh, but the quote that I wanted to highlight was actually in between when he was talking about the turn and the prestige. And he goes, now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not really looking. You don't really want to know. You want to be fooled. And I feel like the reason why I picked this was because I feel like this is what we go through when we watch every Christopher Nolan film. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, That's you know, true. something's going to happen, but you don't really know, want to know. I don't know. It, it, it's I, I felt like it was a good summary of how we do watch Christopher Nolan films as as huge fans of his I because I, I don't know I feel like he's the magician of filmmaking mm-hmm. yeah because in a way you can interpret like the way uh, the ending of Inception any way you want and I want to from what I want to see is oh that it's real life the, t- the the totem falls down but in reality it's like we just see what we want to see and we leave it at that I know. And I love it when stuff can be left ambiguous, you know, and it just really depends on the person. It's so good. (laughs) That was a really good line. Anyway, uh, let's give out our next award, the Avengers Assemble Award for favorite scene. And so, Jeremy, there's so many to choose from. Which one did you choose? Personally, for me, I chose Julia's death. Uh, When that's because that's the. I guess that's where Borden and Angier become rivals because mm-hmm. because of her death. And I, I don't know. I just like that part also when uh, Michael Caine is like holding the axe and he's getting ready yeah, and he's just check, checking, checking the watch. time. <laughs> yeah. And then he just runs over there and he's like trying his hardest. I'm like, bro, like uh, give the axe to like Hugh Jackman or something, man. He's more, he's more jacked than Michael Caine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, and just the fact that Borden couldn't tell like what knot he 
he tied later on. And it was pretty crazy because in the beginning of the movie, you know, we we think that Angier or that that clone of Angier dies, right? Uh, but we don't know that, and we actually think it's Angier. And the way we think he's gonna die is by drowning in the tank, just like his wife. But I think it, it's crazy how it all comes back around to that to that magic trick. Oh yeah, no, that was a very um pivotal scene obviously because that just sets off their whole rivalry and you know like it it really just set uh angier off i mean because i mean he was obviously sad but he really just wanted revenge and he really wanted to do everything he could to ruin borden because you know i I felt like he was just being I, i could see from his point of view where he was just being dismissive of you know like you said it's like oh i don't remember what not you just didn't really believe him well my favorite scene uh and the scene that i want to give the avengers assemble award to and it's kind of a no-brainer for me is it's that final scene um the with the final plot twist and the reveal that uh alfred borden and fallon were basically the same well they were playing the same person but then that they were twins and so I, I just liked how the scene unfolded. I mean, because, I mean, just the little details that Christopher Nolan interjected uh, when they were kind of going back and forth uh, between uh, the cuts, uh, between where they ultimately ended up and then where I think um, Fallon gets ultimately hung. Um, and so, like, some of the stuff. Uh, from the you know like the whole setup like one of my favorite lines i didn't mention it in uh the wise gamora section but one of my favorite lines is are you watching closely so simple but really that could be like he's asking us you know it's like he's breaking the fourth wall and then you remember uh after cutter's leaving where he was helping out uh angier with uh with the whole machine he's walking away and then you see what looks like it's Fallon walking in. You think it's Fallon. So you're like, oh, you see the back of his head or whatever. So it just adds to the whole deception and everything. And, you know, like the music's kind of building, the tension's building. And then when you get to the point where, um, remember the, I guess the guy right before, um, I guess Fallon gets hung. He's like, hey, do you have anything to say? And then he goes, abracadabra and then all of a sudden stuff goes down I'm like oh then the rubber ball bounces and then there's a gunshot and then it's alfred borden and he's like whoa what <laughs> it's like i thought he just got hung and yeah, it's crazy it's so crazy like just the precise timing that christopher nolan does and and then remember we were talking about in tenant uh was jacob's favorite line uh where he was talking about oh uh you weren't working for me or something like that. I always butcher the line where it's like, Oh, I just found that, that you and I were working for me or whatever. <laughs> I butchered that. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> I got vibes when they were talking about, we were both Fallon. We were both bored. And I was like, Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they would just switch off, man. And then they were so devoted that, um, I guess Fallon had to get his, his fingers chopped off too. Dude, when I saw that, I was like, oh my goodness. That was so crazy how they did. Because like, um, what was, oh, it was Olivia, right? Um, Scarlett Johansson's. Yeah, Olivia. Olivia, he, he, she was a, one of the first ones to 
like notice it's like oh no it's the only person you know it's really him who's doing this because if you look at it you could see that he's trying to hide his fingers or whatever and i think that's what convinces angier to think that he was actually the only one doing this transported man trick and i think that's basically how they get away with it by chopping off two additional fingers but we should have known because remember that one scene where it was it was bleeding and um Sarah was like, I don't understand why it's still bleeding. It's like mm-hmm, because it was it was balanced. <laughs> oh my goodness. So crazy. crazy. But yeah, that's definitely uh, my favorite scene. It's just so precise with the timing and everything. And obviously, what I think is my favorite plot twist. I think it is. Yeah, I, I would probably have to say so too. It, it, like if but if I have to choose one outside of the prestige, probably the Neil one. But yeah, Neil one's pretty good. <laughs> But yeah, this is definitely this is definitely up there in the plot twist realm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, Jeremy, we have now reached our favorite uh, part of our weekly podcast, and that's the guess the Rotten Tomato score. And so, uh, for those of you who are uh, tuning in for the first time, uh, we have this little game. It's an ongoing game that we will have, uh, and it'll be per season. It looks like the way we're going to be doing it. And so what we do is beforehand, we try to come up with what we think is a rotten tomato score is for um, the film that we are watching. And then what we will end up doing is we'll share it with each other. I actually haven't shared my score with Jeremy yet, and he hasn't done the same with me. And then what we'll, we'll, what we'll do is we'll um, look it up online and we'll see who actually gets the closest and whoever gets the closest gets the point. And so um, the score currently is Jeremy's up 14 to 10. And actually, as it turns out, because we're doing this per season, it looks like I'm going to have to sweep the rest of the, the episodes for me to actually win. And so ooh, tall task. We'll see. Well, we need to get one first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this episode. Yeah, I know. I definitely need to win here. And so uh, my guess for the prestige for Rotten Tomatoes, that tomato meter is 90. How about you? I, I guess 86. Ooh, okay. We got a little bit of a variance. Okay, let's look it up. I'm on RottenTomatoes.com and let's search for the prestige. 2006. And it looks like you have clinched the the season one title. <laughs> really? A tomato meter of 76. Wow. A little Se- low. That's dang dude, that's hell low. 76. I know. Wow. But what's the audience score? <clears throat> and in keeping in tradition, I get closer to the audience score at a whopping 92%. Dude. Because my guess, uh, I was almost going to guess high high 80s, like 88 or something like that. But I, I wanted to go a little lower because I'm like, ah, is it that high? I got kind of scared. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? It's funny. Like, I was originally thinking um, 88, 89, but I was like, ah, let's bump it up a little bit. I feel like it's Christopher Nolan. Who doesn't like Christopher Nolan? So, obviously, I, guess I was it was wrong. 2006 then. <laughs> Not, not as many people like Christopher Nolan. I guess not. Or they probably docked it for their, uh, I don't know, maybe it was too complicated for people or 
maybe some plot holes or, or whatever. Anyway, well, the running tally is 15 to 10. Um, we won't tell you how many more episodes we do have of season one. You'll have to find out on your own. Uh, but it looks like Jeremy has one season one. But you know what? I want to actually let's just for bragging rights. I want to make this score a little closer. I don't want to get blown out in season one. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it is now 15 to 10 heading into next week's episode. And so before we preview next week's episode, let's hand out our final award of the evening, which is the I Love You 3000 Award, where we rate uh, the prestige on a rating scale of 1 to 3000. So Jeremy, what would you give it? Uh, I would give it 2640 out of 3000. So that's like 88%. Really? Oh, shoot. Okay. Um, that sounds about right. I mean, that's almost uh, where the audience rating was. Um, and actually, I feel like I like this movie a little bit more. And that's why I felt like it was arguably top three Christopher Nolan movies of all time. I don't know. I, I, I feel like that last plot twist really did it for me. You know, it's a good ending. Mm. So I gave it 2,800 uh, for a percentage of roughly 93.33333%. <laughs> see that the, like that's i think that's pretty cool because uh like i said my ranking uh when you asked me earlier i would probably say dark knight batman begins inception probably memento then prestige okay something like legitimately top five yeah because i don't know just when i was watching this movie i probably need to re-watch it again uh to really solidify my thoughts on it uh some parts like it was it was good but some parts were kind of like i don't know if it was repetitive but but it did like it it culminated in that last plot twist mm -hmm. so yeah maybe i didn't appreciate some scenes as i should have uh until the plot twist i think oh you know what I, that may be the difference because i think rewatching it a second time made me appreciate all the breadcrumbs like, I oh, think when you watch it the second time, you'll like it even more because you you obviously know where the movie ends up. So um, mm. let me know what you think. I mean, offline, obviously. Uh, but I kind of I'm kind of curious to see, like, if if it bumps it up a little bit, the second viewing, because I feel like the second viewing is the important one. You know what it might be is it might be kind of for me, it was I don't know if it was it's probably because I got spoiled. It was kind of tedious to watch like the whole like a lot of the test waiting for Tesla to make his machine because mm. I already knew what it was like going to be the whole Ugh. cloning machine. Maybe that's why. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. that was a, such a big plot twist and took a lot of chunk of the movie. So probably that's what gave it a lower score on mine. Right. Cause for me, like uh, that whole story thread, I felt like I was like, wait, is this a legit cloning? Th I, I really didn't know until the, the end um, that it was actually a, a an actual cloning device because I was like, you know, I thought it was it was just weird, and then and then I remember obviously I because I completely forgot about the hats and the and, and everything like in the beginning, I was just like, oh shoot, that is a cloning device. So I don't know. I think I don't know. It was just that whole wonderment of you know not being spoiled. <laughs> mm -hmm. Probably that was it. Yeah. Well, that being said, uh, Jeremy, uh, do you want to preview um, the next episode? 
Yeah, so in two weeks, we'll be talking about the classic Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, where an angel shows a man what would life be if he never existed. Surprisingly, neither Ken or I have seen this movie, because it is, like I said, a classic Christmas movie. Uh, It is pretty old, but I feel like everyone knows that story. And there's been very, like a lot of renditions. Yeah, I feel like we've uh, both have done a pretty poor job of watching a lot of Christmas movies, especially these classics. I remember, uh, well, me and Jeremy go to the same church. I feel like uh, whenever we have our game night and like the whole topic of Christmas movies comes on, I'm like, oh, I guess we're losing this. We're losing this uh, section. Yeah, it's like, are we talking about Jingle All the Way? No. Uh, yeah, forfeit. <laughs> I, I know. It's like, if we're not talking about Elf or Home Alone, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Jeremy, before we, uh, I guess, close out this episode, was there anything that you wanted to plug uh, for these next couple of weeks? Yeah. So, if I'm still reviewing mo- movies on my YouTube channel, so look out for that. I might review that Patrick Schwarzenegger movie uh, on my channel later on this week. So who knows uh, at Jeremy Pullen Barrett on, uh, on YouTube. So look out for that. How about you? Well, uh, still uh, working on some stuff behind the scenes, but uh, I'm still pretty active on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm actually, I mean, we were talking about uh, Twitter fleets. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. I might experiment with that a little bit uh, in the in the next couple of weeks. But uh, you can follow me on both platforms at FreeKenA, and the uh, spelling will be in the episode notes. And so, uh, Jeremy, were there any uh, final thoughts on uh, the Prestige before we close out this episode? I really like how they use the, how they explained uh, the pledge, the turn, and then the prestige, and just the way they said it, like in at the end too. I don't know, friggin' Michael Caine. I know Michael Caine is like, ah, man, he's definitely top two or three of who I would want to narrate uh, my life story. <laughs> his, his voice is so distinguished; it's so good. Is uh, Morgan Freeman also in there too? Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh man, yes. <laughs> but if Morgan, can't Morgan, get Morgan, I know Morgan Freeman can read the phone book, and it would sound interesting. <laughs> oh, we need an audio book from like Michael Caine or Morgan Freeman. I know. Well, there was this one part uh, when uh, remember that one scene where Angier reveals himself to be uh, Lord Caldlow. Uh, I probably butchered the the pronunciation well anyway remember when he was just basically mad that he um no he's still alive and he thought he was dead i don't know about you but i got the whole i failed you master wayne <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> the rises, i felt that too <laughs> i failed you i thought you were dead yeah it was pretty funny yeah. so yeah that was that's actually how i want to end this episode and so again um check back with uh, both me and jeremy in about uh two weeks as we prepare for the holidays with it's a wonderful life and so again thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time on the real <laughs>